Hello, wonderful boys and girls, and welcome to Avant-Garde Book Storytime. I am Sheree Hardy, and today I will be reading the third chapter of one of my favorite children's books. It is Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. This book was written by Robert C. O'Brien in 1971, and it was illustrated by Dina Bernstein. If you have this wonderful book, you can follow along. If you don't, it's quite okay. Just get in a very comfortable place and get relaxed and listen quietly to Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, Chapter 3, The Crow and the Cat. Mrs. Frisbee looked again at the sun and saw that she faced an unpleasant choice. She could go home by the same roundabout way she had come, in which case she would surely end up walking alone in the woods, in the dark, a frightening prospect, for at night the forest was alive with danger. Then the owl came out to hunt, and foxes, weasels, and strange wild cats stalked among the trunk, tree trunks. The other choice would be dangerous, too, but with luck it would get her back home before dark. That would be to take a straighter route across the farmyard between the barn and the chicken house, going not too close to the house, but cutting the distance home by half. The cat would be there somewhere, but by daylight and by staying in the open, away from the shrubs, she could probably spot him before he saw her. The cat, he was called Dragon. Farmer Fitzgibbon's wife had given him the name as a joke when he was a small kitten, pretending to be fierce. But when he grew up, the name turned out to be an apt one. He was enormous, with a huge, broad head and a large mouth full of curving fangs, needle-sharp. He had seven claws on each foot and a thick, furry tail which last lashed angrily from side to side. In color, he was orange and white with glaring yellow eyes, and when he leaped to kill, he gave a high, strangled scream that froze his victims where they stood. But Mrs. Frisbee preferred not to think about that. Instead, as she came out of the woods from Mr. Aegis's house and reached the farmyard's fence, she thought about Timothy. She thought of how his eyes shone with merriment when he had made up small jokes, which he did frequently, and how invariably kind he was to his small, scatterbrained sister, Cynthia. The other children sometimes laughed at her when she made mistakes or grew impatient with her because she was forever losing things, but Timothy never did. Instead, he would help her find them, and when Cynthia herself had been sick in bed with a cold, he had sat by her side for hours and entertained her with stories. He made these up out of his head and seemed to have a bottomless supply of them. Taking a firm grip on her packets of medicine, Mrs. Frisbee went under the fence and set out toward the farmyard. The first stretch was a long pasture, the barn itself square and red, and big rose in the distance to her right. To her left, farther off, were the chicken houses. When at length she came abreast of the farm, she saw the cattle wire fence that marked the other end of the pasture, and as she approached it, 
she was startled by a sudden outburst of noise. She thought at first it was a hen, strayed from the chicken yard, caught by a fox. She looked down the fence and saw that it was no hen at all, but a young crow flapping in the grass, acting most odd. As she watched, he fluttered to the top wire of the fence, where he perched nervously for a moment. Then he spread his wings, flapped hard, and took off. But after flying four feet, he stopped with a snap and crashed to the ground again, shedding a flurry of black feathers and squawking loudly. He was tied to the fence. A piece of something silvery, it looked like wire, was tangled around one of his legs. The other end of it was caught in the fence. Mrs. Frisbee walked closer, and then she could see it was not wire after all, but a length of silver-colored string, probably left over from a Christmas package. The crow was sitting on the fence, pecking ineffectively at the string with his bill, calling softly to himself, a miserable sound. After a moment, he spread his wings, and she could see he was going to try to fly again. Wait, said Mrs. Frisbee. The crow looked down and saw her in the grass. Why should I wait? Can't you see I'm caught? I've got to get loose. But if you make so much noise again, the cat is sure to hear. If he hasn't heard already, you'd make noise too if you were tied to a fence with a piece of string and with night coming on. I would not, said Mrs. Frisbee. If I had any sense and knew there was a cat nearby, who tied you? She was trying to calm the crow, who was obviously terrified. He looked embarrassed and stared at his feet. I picked up the string. It got tangled with my foot. I sat on the fence to try to get it off, and it caught on the fence. Why did you pick up the string? The crow, who was very young indeed, in fact only a year old, said wearily, Because it was shiny. You know better. I had been told. Bird brain thought, bird brain thought Mrs. Frisbee, and then recalled what her husband used to say. The size of the brain is no measure of its capacity, and well she might recall it, for the crow's head was double the size of her own. Sit quietly, she said. Look toward the house and see if you see the cat. I don't see him, but I can't see behind the bushes. Oh, if I could just fly higher. Don't, said Mrs. Frisbee. She looked at the sun. It was setting behind the trees. She thought of Timothy and of the medicine she was carrying. Yet she knew she could not leave the foolish crow there to be killed. And killed he surely would be before sunrise, just for want, for want of a few minutes' work. She might still make it by dusk if she hurried. Come down here, she said. I'll get the string off. How? The crow asked dubiously. Don't argue. I have only a few minutes. She said this in a voice so authoritative that the crow fluttered down immediately. But if the cat comes, he said, if the cat comes, he'll knock you off the fence with one jump and catch you with the next. Be still. She was already at work with her sharp teeth gnawing at the string. It was twined and twisted and twined again around his right ankle, and she saw he would have to cut through it three times to get it off. As she finished the second strand, the crow, who was staring toward the house, suddenly cried out, I see the cat. Quiet, whispered Mrs. Frisbee. Does he see us? I don't know. 
Yes, he's looking at me. I don't think he can see you. Stand perfectly still. Don't get in a panic. She did not look up, but started on the second strand, third strand. He's moving this way, fast or slow, medium. I think he's trying to figure out what I'm doing. She cut through the last strand, gave a tug, and the string fell off. There, you're free. Fly off and be quick. But what about you? Maybe he hasn't seen me, but he will. He's coming closer. Mrs. Frisbee looked around. There was not a bit of cover anywhere near. Not a rock, nor a hole, nor a log. Nothing at all. Closer than the chicken yard. And that was in the direction the cat was coming from. And a long way off. Look, said the crow. Climb on my back, quick, and hang on. Mrs. Frisbee did what she was told, first grasping the precious packages of medicine tightly between her teeth. Are you on? Yes. She gripped the feathers on his back, felt the beat of his powerful black wings, felt a dizzying upward surge, and shut her eyes tight. Just in time, said the crow, and she heard the angry scream of the cat as he leaped at where they had just been. It's lucky you're so light. I can scarcely tell you're there. Luckily, indeed, thought Mrs. Frisbee. If it had not been for your foolishness, I'd never have gotten into such a scrape. However, she thought it wise not to say so under the circumstances. Where do you live? asked the crow. In the garden patch, near the big stone. I'll drop you off there. He banked alarmingly, and for a moment Mrs. Frisbee thought he meant it literally. But a few seconds later, so fast does the, fly, the crow fly, they were gliding to earth a yard from her front door. Thank you very much, said Mrs. Frisbee, hopping to the ground. It's I who should be thanking you, said the crow. You saved my life, and you mine. Ah, uh, but that's not quite even. Yours wouldn't have been risked if it had not been for me, me and my piece of string. And since this was just what she had been thinking, Mrs. Frisbee did not argue. We all help one another against the cat, she said. True, just the same, I am in debt to you. If the time ever comes when I can help you, I hope you will ask me. My name is Jeremy. Mention it to any crow you see in these woods, and he will find me. Thank you, said Mrs. Frisbee. I will remember. Jeremy flew away to the woods, and she entered her house, taking the three doses of medicine with her. Well, boys and girls, that was chapter three of Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, written by Robert C. O'Brien and illustrated by Zena Bernstein. I hope you enjoyed chapter three of this beautiful story. Have a wonderful day, boys and girls. Take care.